Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode 212 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week I was joined by a photographer living in one of my favorite places on earth, Ireland. Welcome Bernard Gurdy to the show. Bernard is a 34-year-old ball of lightning who has emerged onto the landscape photography scene in a flash. I first came to know about Bernard over on Clubhouse, where we connected in some clubs and got to know each other. As soon as I realized he had his own podcast, I knew I wanted to sit down and have a chat. Plus, who can resist that Irish accent and incredible charm? In this episode, Bernard and I talk about the launch of his career and how he transitioned into being a full-time photographer. We also talk about what it is like to photograph on the Emerald Isle, and he shares an amazing story about how he captured a winning storm image in Italy. A quick reminder before we begin, if you're excited to enter the landscape photography competition that I've helped start with Tim Perkin, Alex Nail, and Rajas Jodhiswaran, time is running out to join our mailing list to get early bird discounts. We are very hopeful that there will be enough enthusiasm for the competition to fund a high-end fine art book with all the winning images. We hope to provide that book for free or at a steep discount to anyone that enters. Being in our first year, we can't make any promises, but you can help by spreading the word and entering yourself. We look forward to seeing your submissions. Prizes are valued at over $11,000 and we've just secured sponsorship from Shimoda Bags for all the category winners as well. Head over to naturallandscapeawards.com to learn more. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Bernard Gerty, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. Matt, thank you very much, and I'm very, very proud of how you pronounce my name. Yeah, well, you know, I spent a couple of weeks in Ireland, so I, I still... I still have a little bit of that lucky charm in me. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you said, you know, well, you can't put too much of an Irish accent on when you say my name because your wife will make fun of you for the rest of time. Well, y- you oh, see, yeah. you're unlucky. I make sure my wife doesn't listen to mine because I would be divorced. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so the reason I said that earlier before we were recording is because I have a, I have this really bad habit of going off on tangents with various accents, you know, whether it be Australian or Irish or British. And inevitably, it all turns into this ridiculous mashup of Italian, Australian, Scottish that doesn't sound like any of them. And so I just try not to do it. Yeah, I always find myself like even with friends, like from friends with all over Ireland and, you know, for such a small country, we have so many different accents and if I'm like with a friend from Dublin, I find myself talking to him while making fun of his accent, you know, and I, I just can't stop. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. Well, so for people that aren't uh, familiar with you, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I'm Bernard Gurdy and I am a landscape photographer here uh, in Ireland. Um, so, yeah, started photography um, five years ago. Um, you know, I was always into hiking, always into being out in the outdoors and um yeah just one day i decided to buy a camera it was in october 2015 and i just it's literally went from there to where you know i used to shoot every day sunrise sunset astro um got to a stage where my partner was saying listen i'm getting none of you you are shooting 24 7 and you need to slow down because i'm just getting the tired you who falls asleep on the couch and uh, I said, well, listen, how about if I shoot less, I'll just make a business out of this and at least I can make some money. And, you know, 
hopefully make a living. And she's like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. So very, very lucky. That, <laughs> that was it. That is exactly how Bernard Gurdy Landscape Tour started. And we're, what, four years in now. Uh, pre-pandemic was absolutely amazing. Post-pandemic look like, looks like it's going to be very, very good. Um, but that's how it started with me. And that's how I became, I suppose, a full-time professional landscape photographer. That's wild, man. So it sounds like when you got the camera, it just bit you and the passion and excitement just took off. It did. Yeah, it did. It really did. Um, probably more so than I ever expected. Um, I, I I would say that when I go at something, I go hard or go home. I wouldn't really have an addictive personality. Um, but when I enjoy something, I really enjoy it. And it just has become like the, I suppose, the life and soul of the party for me. I spent all my time playing sports. I played underage international football, which soccer, you know, if you like to pronounce it uh, for Ireland at a young age, I was very successful with football. Um, but I just, photography just took over when I, you know, started and when it became my business and, you know, start doing tours all over the world. Uh, sport had to take a, you know, a, a back seat and, I do enjoy kick around every now and again, but it's the photography that just ignites that fire inside me. And it's made me really appreciate everything that's been happening, you know, and, and it's made, you know, it's it's meeting new people is what I really appreciate out of it. I'm lucky to be able to make a living from meeting new people and giving them life experiences and lifelong memories. Yeah. Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Man, we're both extroverts, me and you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It makes doing uh, workshops and podcasts a lot easier, but I, I, I don't know about you, but I've found that a lot of photographers are not extroverts. It is crazy. It's crazy. And everybody like, you know, the, the amount of people I've asked on the podcast, on my podcast, like, you know, you have with your podcast, they, they, they're just shy away. They're like, oh, I'm an introvert. And then you actually get them on the podcast and they're like, not introverts, but they're not extroverts. Um, but you right. do like, I, you get a lot of people, um, you know, wondering, you know, I, I get a lot of questions. You know, Ireland's a small country. Um, so I get a lot of questions. How, you know, any tips on going pro? Um, how do you make a business from landscape photography? And the only answer for that is hard work. But minus hard work, you need to be a people person. Um, you need to be ready to rock at four o'clock in the morning with a smile on your face. Um, enthusiastic as you would be at four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, Really good advice. Um, I do want to ask you more questions and a little bit about that transition from from whatever you're doing before to full time. But I kind of wanted to get a, a better idea of uh, Bernard uh, pre photography and and any kind of your early life. So tell us. You know, I'm in the United States and I can only imagine it's a little bit different. But I'd love to hear about kind of what it was like growing up in Ireland and you know going to school there and in the hobbies that you took up and and maybe there's a path from there to kind of how you got into photography, perhaps. It's it's funny. There's not really a path. I don't think so. Maybe the hiking part, like hiking was always a big interest. Mm -hmm. um, but in school, sure. like, it's funny because I never, I in like, you know, I suppose your high school, our secondary school, we do five years. And in those five years, I missed four days of school, which is like less than one a year average. Um but saying that, I always attended school, but I was never academic. I was never into school. I I just knew that spend these five years, get by, 
do my exams. Like I just knew, like I don't need my high, like big high grades to get by in life. I thought, you know, what? I have some common sense, and I think common sense is is a big thing. You know, I think you can do a lot in life with common sense. Um, but like they say, common sense is not so common. Um, but <laughs> I true. do believe, like if you just have a bit of common sense about you, you can you can pretty much do anything you want. Um, but yeah, in school was like, you know, living for the days where we had like, uh, you know, sports games and stuff like that, because we knew we'd get off class and stuff. So that's what I lived for in school. Um, and obviously the summer holidays, but I suppose my very first time on the mountains, um, was when I was 12 years of age. Um, again, like my parents and stuff, they're very hard working, never into hiking or anything like that, but we're just into enjoying lives, enjoying, enjoying their lives that liked, um, they liked, uh, you know, nights out, you know, in different restaurants, having some drinks and, uh, you know, lo- nice holidays abroad. And where my thing was like, just take me up a mountain, you know, that's all I ever enjoyed. And I remember my first mountain to, to hike ever was when I was like 12 years of age. Um, got my parents, I used to get my parents to drive me every second Sunday, take me for a drive up in the local mountains in County Wicklow here on the east east coast of Ireland and literally be a drive through the mountains just because I was always fascinated by them. I could see them in the distance from my own house and then in the winter you could see the snow-capped mountains. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. So uh, There's something about mountains that just draws you in, right? I mean, that's uh, very similar to my upbringing. That's, that's what I looked forward to every... Every summer on the weekends, my parents and I, we would drive up into the mountains and we would hike up to the top of one of them. So it was like, and that just got me obsessed with being in, in the outdoors. It is, it is. And like, I suppose you, you like my, my, all my childhood, like literally up until I was what, 28, 29, like picked up a camera. It was like everything revolved around sports. Um, I did in, you know, when I finished school and stuff, I'd done an apprenticeship and I qualified as a plumber. Um, done plumbing for like 10 years or whatever amount of years and we had the big you know um we had our you know big um what we call the celtic tiger which was our big economic boom oh right um, yeah that was like what uh t- 2000 2006 yeah yeah, yeah. And, like and, and i had finished school i had i had i had finished school in 2004 uh which seems like like crazy you know it feels like yesterday i walked out of there um but I, I qualified as a plumber and enjoyed that and, and, and enjoyed the skills that were needed to, you know, go in and like plumb houses and stuff like that. And so, yeah, when, when you know, plumbing was great because you can help so many people with plumbing and when something goes wrong with water, it can go very wrong. So, you know, if you're a carpenter, electrician, people will always try their hand at, at different things, you know, because not much can go wrong. You can you can hang a door, you know, slightly off level. You can, um, I suppose, blow a, a fuse, but with water, if something starts leaking, it's very, very hard to stop. Um, right, water, water, and electricity; those are the two that. Yeah, like obviously, I'm not, I would not, bad. I would not suggest like going out electricity. But realistically, you know, unless you're very unlucky, um, literally blowing a fuse could be the worst thing that happens. Um, but yeah, so then it, you know, we had our financial crash, and um, I decided to go back as a mature student to college. And um, it was actually to study business. And, you know, um, I ended up going into retail management. So it was like one contrast to another. Um, And, you know, it was it was there. I was doing that for the family business and, um, you know, again, was quite happy, was helping grow my family business um, and stuff like that. But it just wasn't fulfilling enough. 
Um, so it was when I found photography then that it just really started to take off. It, I just knew there was something in me that was waiting to get out. Um, and yeah, like I said earlier about, you know, being given an ultimatum to not shoot every single day of the week and every night. And, you know, I decided to, you know, uh, create the business, which is Bernard Gerty Landscape Tours now. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because I, I think that um, in order to be successful as a full-time professional photographer, it helps if your photography is good, right? Yeah. But I think I think at the end of the day, if you, if you really want to do well, you need to have something else that you're also really good at, whether that be marketing or business or, you know, people skills or logistics or, you know, something or writing. Um, so it sounds like you've kind of been able to find a way to leverage your natural ability to engage with people um, with some of your educational background in business uh, to, to make a, a healthy, strong go at it and in photography. Yeah, that's pretty much like it's funny you say that like that's probably true, but I don't see it like that. Um, Like it's funny having some friends down here now this weekend uh, where I'm living and it's, you know, it's the weather has been amazing. We've been walking along the beaches. We've been going in and getting coffees and it's been just beautiful. And it's funny because, you know, um, my friends are slagging me because they're like every time we turn around, you're talking to someone new. And there's I suppose like you can't force yourself to want to talk to people all the time. I just enjoy conversation. I enjoy, you know, people's company, whether it be someone new or, or an old friend. Um, I remember hiking uh, in the mountains a couple of weeks ago, uh, scouting out some new locations, and I came across a beautiful location. And as I was leaving, I noticed a farmer was in his field. So I had to walk past this farmer uh, to, to, to get back to my car. And, you know, automatically you say hello, and you're not sure if he's going to tell you to get off my land or if he's going to engage in conversation. And two hours later, I left because just it was just like, you know, and where, where I am is very, very kind of remote Ireland down the southwest in Kerry. So, you know, this farmer has probably not seen anybody in about two or three weeks, you know. So right. <laughs> hearing his stories about, you know, all times and stuff was just absolutely amazing. You know, like uh, anything ranging from a random uh, Czech Republic uh, guy landing on his door uh, one day and stayed for four months to, you know, getting locked in a pub to drink all night, having to get up and, you know, look after a sheep in the morning, um, going up the mountain the next morning to look after a sheep. And he found himself lying down in a, a natural spring for two hours trying to, you know, his mouth was so dry and he said his tongue was just hanging in the water. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was trying to like recover after the night before with, he said the hangover was so bad, but you know, that's the beauty about it. That's why I love talking to people because there's so many different experiences, stories that can be shared. Yeah. I don't know about you, but it sounds like we're similar in that, uh, you know, the, the end product of photography, that's all great and that's all awesome. But, uh, the, the real joy and the real passion, the real excitement comes from the actual process and the adventures that you go on and the, the people that you engage with and, and just the stories that you can tell people afterwards. Yeah. Like it's, it's rare. Like I, I think about a shoot or it's it actually it's rare I look at a photo and I think wow I'm glad I got that photo that day it's always my god that was some experience I'll never forget Mary you know you know my client Mary shouting with excitement because the, the sky lit up you know or John you know just completely went crazy because the aurora came across the sky like it's very rarely about the photo 
it's always about the experience. And to me, a photo is one thing, but it can literally, like if you were to say, right, listen, you're going to be put in a situation where you have like two options. You can go be dropped at a location to photograph an amazing sky, but be dropped there when it's at its peak and be taken out just as the peak has passed and you vanish from that location, but you have a picture. Or you can say, right, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to hike to that location for an hour. You're going to experience this whole, you know, sunrise or sunset color or aurora for the full hour it lasts. And it goes from, you know, you see it develop into something amazing and then dying off again. And then you hike back like, you know, they're too, but you get no picture. So like, what would I pick? I would pick the second option, the hike, the experience and stuff. I do love my photos, obviously. And we will never be in a situation where we have to pick between one or one or the other. But in general, that experience would have meant a lot more to me than any image. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's, that's cool to hear because that's um, when I look back at my photography, you know, I think what connects me deeply with certain images is the experience that went along with creating it. So it's good to hear you say that. <laughs> it's um, I'm actually I'm actually just looking. I have like I actually did a presentation um, last week um, and I had like a little quote on it and I'm actually just getting it up now. And it's, it's something I don't normally do. I don't normally do quotes and stuff, but, um, it was like, to me, photography is not about the final image. It's about the experience building and sharing memories that will last a lifetime. Experience is the best teacher. The worst experiences teach the best lessons. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of something that I kind of not live by. I'm not, as I say, I'm not big into quotes, but that's just something as an entrance every time I do like a Zoom presentation, um, you know, because a lot of people become obsessive over the actual image. Um, but, you know, if you have to enjoy the experience first, and I think the rest will come natural then. Yeah, I, I agree. I wanted to go back to your, your girlfriend's ultimatum because, first of all, that sounds like a hilarious story. But second of all, um, I was kind of curious about what was going through your mind at the time and in relation to your your situation. Because I know that uh, for a lot of people that are even thinking about you know doing photography full-time, it immediately is accompanied with all of these uh, questions around financial stability and, and you know, how am I going to make ends meet and things of that nature? And I was just curious, you know, did you, did you have those fears or did you have like a nest egg saved up? Like what, what was your approach to making that a reality? Um, it's funny um, getting a birthday card last week and it was about how I'm so proud of you. I am, you know, I, I, I like seeing you over this past year as the pandemic has affected your whole livelihood, how calm you've been, like how stress-free you've been and and that's th that's kind of how I roll I'm like you know we're here and it's such a cliche but we're here for we're only here once you know um yes this pandemic has ruined everything all that kind of stuff but you have to remain positive right so that's kind of for the now um but it gives you an insight as to what I'm like so what I did was when I was you know in retail management um and what I used to do right say I would work nine to five right I would get up at four or five o'clock in the morning i would drive from my house an hour east an hour and a half east to take a sunrise photo i would come back home i would get a shower and i would drive an hour south to go to work and that was every single day five days a week six days a week seven days a week i would come home if I, if a sunset was about to you know if i thought the potential for sunset was good 
I would be gone. I would go home, out of my work clothes, into photography clothes, and I would be gone. God knows where I could end up. So that was, and then, like, if we had a clear night of stars, that's, you know, I would be out for stars. So that's how the ultimatum came around. I was literally only there in, I was, I was just a shell of a person when I was at home. And that's a selfish way to be, by the way. I wouldn't recommend anyone ever do it. But if you can turn it into something, maybe if I was never given the ultimatum that day, I would not be where I am now. And that sounds kind of funny to say, but it's also true. So I said, right, okay. I At that time, I had said, right, let's see what I can do here. You know, she had a good job. Now, she had a good job, but she wasn't supporting me. Um, You know, we were well able to support ourselves. But so what I decided was, right, the first thing we need to do is, um, you know, we, we were in the middle of building a little apartment. So I was lucky to be able to build a little apartment at the time out the back of my parents' house. So I took three months off work um, from my retail business. And I said, you know what, before I make any company like, you know, workshop company, I'm going to make sure I build us a little place. So I use my, I suppose, construction background and I built us a little one bedroom apartment out the back of my parents' house. So it took me like four, three, four months to do that. Um, so I did, you know, probably 80% of it myself. So I kept the cost down and stuff. So that was one thing I knew that no matter what happens to myself or her, we would have a place to live and never be homeless. So that was that's, like one that's secure. pretty important. <laughs> it is, it is. And and that was one, that was the, the main objective, right? So the next one was, right, how do I go about this? Now, in my photography, early photography days for all those sunrises and sunsets, I spent so much time on doing Facebook live videos. So that was like me, not with any intent, right? I didn't, there was no intent by doing this at the time. But again, I just wanted to, if I couldn't share it with people physically, I wanted to share visually on a a Facebook live video. And this was before the algorithms came in and I was getting three, four, five thousand views, uh, you know, and, and people began to know me. You're looking at me now and you see a big bushy head, you see a big bushy beard. And again, you know, when you see someone in Ireland who goes taking photographs, you know, it's it's you know, it's quite a, you know, recognizable head, I suppose, not even face, just head. You know, you know, if you see a guy with a scraggly beard and bushy hair and a Patagonia cap, you know who it is. If you're a photographer, you know who it is. So I became quite distinguishable and, you know, that kind of, so I spent like two years doing these live videos. So when I built the apartment and I decided, right, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go and I'm going to set up a company leading workshops in Ireland and around the world. And people laughed like they did. And I kind of laughed that off because I, it was like, it, it was, it was always going to be a risk. It was never a guarantee. So I remember like, you know, creating the company and announcing a couple of workshops and I only had like a little two seater van at the time. So I was like my taking my mom's car. She had like an Audi A6 and I was like taking her car and I take three people around on a workshop in the local mountains or whatever. And it was great and it was a good start and I'll never forget that. But I decided to take a punt one day and I was like, you know what? I've started this. I've invested in equipment. I've started my company. I've built a website. Um, I started to get bookings because people knew me as the guy from Facebook, which was, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it is cool. Like, so then I decided to invest like 20,000 euros on a nine seater bus. Uh, so I bought like a Volkswagen transporter or Caravel, whichever you want to say a nine seater one. And all of a sudden people were like, Oh, you're serious about this. 
So I was like, you're damn right. So there was a few people in Ireland doing workshops and stuff, but I don't know anyone that had their own bus. It was all like, follow me in the car and, you know, jump in my car and stuff. And and that's fine. Like that's how I started. But to have my own bus where people could sit back, relax and be taken around all of Ireland in these buses and not have to follow, not have to worry about parking, not have to worry about getting up in the morning, driving early. I thought that was a great way to separate myself and it was a game changer for me. So that was when it really hit home that I am in this for the long haul. Um, and yeah, the first three years were absolutely amazing. Like you couldn't have imagined it developed from Irish workshops to to Scotland, to Iceland, to Lofoten Islands, to Senya Island, to Faroe Islands, to Tenerife, to Namibia, Botswana, Italy, all those places. And like even now during the pandemic, it's been stretched to New Zealand for next year and Patagonia for 2023 and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, after three years, just before the pandemic started, actually, I even upgraded my bus to a new bus. You know, it was how I suppose nice things were going like and, and, and things were going good. I don't like saying things were going absolutely amazing, but I knew I was doing enough that people were getting a good enough experience that they kept coming back and coming back and new clients kept coming and coming and coming. So, um, yeah, bought the bus in January last year and obviously the pandemic hit. So it hasn't got a full run in yet. Um, so hopefully later this year we can start getting back to normality then. Man, you really went after it. That's super yeah. impressive. I, it's, it's, I, it's, um, it's the only way to do it. Like, and you know what, this is what I say to people. Like, so uh, like what I said earlier, like a lot of people do ask like how any advice for someone that wants to go pro or whatever, um, the best advice is like, and you know, generally, you know, you're not going to give away information to a potential competitor, but in general, like, you know, forget about your photos. Like it's not about your photos. Yes. If people like your photos, they will book and it is a certain percentage of it, but you have to be likable. You have to be, you good at marketing yourself, like by just being you, like I didn't do any magic strategy, magic trick. I was just me. And that was all I ever was. Um, I like to think I'm a people person. I like talking. Um, and, and that's a massive, massive thing. And it just, it just literally went from there. That's awesome. What would, don't take this question the wrong way, but, uh, I'm just chan I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yep. Um, what, what would you say if someone asked you, um, or said that you're not experienced or accomplished enough to, to be leading international workshops have, having only started in 2015? Well, I suppose, what I did was I did spend my first couple of years. Uh, I like went to Lofoten a few times myself. I went to Iceland a few times myself. I went to Scotland a few times myself, Tenerife. So I did the homework. Like, you know, it wasn't just me saying never been there. Like, so even now. Let's um, go and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus, no, I, I would never do that. Um, so it was all done. And I'm very, very thankful as well that like things have been super like, you know, like I now have big companies from around the world that who come to Ireland and use me as their guide. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I suppose if it's a very good question, by the way, but I suppose if there was any shadow of a doubt in my ability to do this, um, it would have ended before it probably started because you will be found out very quick. And photography is not just about photography. It's about knowing the weather, knowing the terrain. By the way, I'm also a mountain leader and stuff like that. So there's that aspect of as well that I, I've good mountain knowledge and stuff. So, um, but like, say for instance, now, you know, I'm doing a New Zealand workshop next year. Um, I've not been, but I am using William Patino 
Um, myself and William Bettino are doing it. Um, I'm also sure. doing Patagonia, and Patagonia is going to be done with myself and Trent Blomfield, uh, who's been there, and obviously a local gu- guide in Patagonia, which is obviously what you have to do now too. Um, but uh, like Trent has been there 15, 20 times, so like that's that's the way to go now in terms of bigger places, you know. Um, but even up to Africa, Namibia, Botswana, I went there myself, and you know, scouted everything, did everything. And to see how I could do a workshop efficiently and yeah, was able to get the logistics in place. It sounds like a big part of your success uh, revolves around collaborating with people and tapping into your ability to, to, you know, have a good relationship with other people. What, what would you say, how would you say that's impacted uh, your ability to pull this off? Man, do you know what? This is, this collaboration thing has literally just started in the last year since COVID. Everything up until then was done was myself everything like this is how crazy it was right and it's funny because i often say to clients like you know i i'd send out like a uh i might send a random um a random form after to say how you know i thought the workshop went and i always say to people like you know do you felt that like do you feel that you know at any time i may have been even grumpy or tired and and i've <laughs> never i've never ever had an issue with people in terms of no I, I i felt he was tired while he was driving or i felt he didn't want to do sunrise this day everything's always been positive um i always am someone that is gonna do is I'm, I'm definitely someone who feeds off having responsibility for others you put me on my own if i'm going to tell you i'll get up for sunrise tomorrow myself with no one nah i'm staying in bed if i know that i have one or more people to get up for be it friends or on a workshop man, I'm up two hours extra early to make sure that everything is sorted for that sunrise and stuff. So, um, But the collaboration thing has really just started this year, especially trying to expand locations. I think um, it's also as well when you call your company Bernard Gurdy Landscape Tours, it ca- it's kind of hard, especially again with Ireland being a small country. People say to me, would you take, would you like, would you hire someone else? And I'm, I am a trustworthy person. I, do you know what I am? I'm a nervous passenger. Right. I love to drive. I love being in control. Um, doesn't matter where it is. And, you know, at least I'm in control and I know what's going to happen or, or or I can control what potentially happens or whatever. Um, or I've control of a situation. And that's the same when it comes to would I hire someone in my company to say, instead of me lead a workshop in the Lafoten Islands, let them do it. I'd be a nervous passenger then. I'd be like, <laughs> if I was back in Ireland, I'd be like, are they going to put the same effort that I put in? Are they going to show the same level as enthusiasm? Are they going to give the same level as tuition? All these kind of questions. So I'm like, do you know what? It's actually easier to just do it myself. And But now going forward with collaborations, I'm always going to be there, like, you know, in Patagonia, in New Zealand, and but it will be a collaboration with someone. I'm thinking Canada. Jesus, I've spoke to so many guys, Ryan Dyer, um, you know, uh, Chris Byrne, all these guys up in uh, like to Washington and 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 uh, Oregon and stuff. And, you know, once the pandemic finishes, I'm looking forward to speaking to these guys about opportunities as well, you know, who have said they are keen to talk. So that's 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 what it's about going forward for for bigger and better locations. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I've, I think collaborating is kind of a hidden talent that really can elevate our game in terms of you know, obviously we all have strengths and weaknesses and things that we're good at and we're not good at. And, 
you know, I think co collaborating is a great way to kind of shore up your deficits, but then using your strengths to help them overcome some of their deficits. And, you know, ideally you have a synergistic relationship where the end product is greater than the, the sum of its parts. Yeah, that's very true. And there's also as well, I find a lot of stuff's come, come a lot of stuff comes with experience. And I find in the very early stages of photography, we're not keen to collaborate because we think like, the, we think everyone's competition. We think every person who takes landscape photos is competition. And we're right. very like, oh, you know, like, will I, won't I? But as it, uh, like, you know, it's funny, like my biggest competitor here in Ireland, Peter Gordon, like we're really good friends. Sure. You know, it's like, like what is the point in hating or disliking your competitor? Like you're, you're still going to be competitors. And you know what? Like, like, like I remember doing a trip somewhere before and he was like, listen, you know, you know, if you, if you need help, let me know, you know, and that's what it's all about. Like he didn't have to do that. Um, which I really appreciate. I didn't need to take him up on his offer, but still the fact that it was offered is, is huge, you know? Um, so I think with experience, you learn, you know what, you never know when you might need someone, you never know when it might be a good idea to collaborate. So it's like, we're all in this together. Like, you know, the photography world, you know, we have all these landscapes all over the world. I think there's plenty of room for us all. No, I agree for sure. Well, I wanted to pause for a moment to tell listeners about a unique and exclusive offer available only to you. I am offering one-on-one -on -one customized outdoor experiences where I help you discover and reconnect with nature through the lens. These adventures are only available a few times per year and they're booking fast. So reach out soon to reserve your spot. Check out the show notes for more information. Okay, let's get back to our great chat with Bernard. So I'm curious, what is the photography scene like in Ireland? You know, I, I, I know, I think I'd mentioned to you, I spent a couple of weeks there in 2005 which was well before kind of the heyday of landscape and nature photography and Instagram and all that. But I'm just curious, like, is there a pretty large community of photographers? Um, is it a very tight knit community or is it kind of a thing where there's not a lot of people making images? Like what is it like down there, over there? It's, it's quite big. Like for, for a country our size, like we're 4.8 million. Um, but there, we, we are quite big. Um, but it's funny. We've never had the, the photography boom that Iceland or Norway or any of these places have had. And us in Ireland cannot believe that. We, we cannot believe that. Now, we're not necessarily <laughs> complaining because like, listen, man, like I love Ireland. Like I get so emotional when I see these spectacular scenes in Ireland and I just love it. And people ask me of everywhere I've been, where's your favorite place? And I'm like, Ireland. And they're like, <laughs> okay, okay. They're no, like, come on, seriously. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And because they want you to say, they want you to say New Zealand, the Dolomites, you know, and, and like you, we're very quick to always judge our own country. It's like, because I live here, it can't be the best. You know, now it can be the best to an individual. And Ireland to me, man, is just amazing. And again, like to put it into perspective, I remember like a Swiss company, Amazing View Photo Tours, um, approaching them because I thought, you know what, I need to get more people into Ireland. Um, Ireland needs to be experienced. And because uh, we still have a very nice, as you know, you've been to Ireland, we still have a very nice kind of pub culture where it's cool to yeah. go in and have a few pints of Guinness by a nice open fire. You know, you can go into some pubs and 
you know, you walk in on the town I'm in here in Dingle, there's a pub and you go in, in the door and you, to the right, you can go and order a garden hose and a hammer and a screwdriver. And then while you're waiting for them to be put on the counter, you can go over the left-hand side and order a pint of Guinness, you know. And not only that, but you've got the amazing, you know, live music that, you know, playing the jigs and the... Like, exactly. I, when I was there, I um my favorite place was uh was Doolin. Yeah, it Doolin, man. O'Connor's Pub. Oh. You go in and there's like 10, 12, 15 musicians playing oh, a lovely so cool. set of traditional music. But, yes. you know, so this this particular Swiss company, I was like, listen, guys, you know, um, we have a mutual friend and listen, he does some workshops for you and I'd, I'd love you to come to Ireland. And they were like, ah, never really seen any photos from Ireland. And I was like, listen, just come over. If you don't like it, I will literally pay for your trip. And they were like, one of them came over, Jennifer, a really nice woman. She owns the, the, the company with her husband. So Jennifer came over and I brought her to like the north coast of North, North coast, North, North coast of Northern Ireland and uh, Northwest of Ireland, in Donegal. And she did not want to leave. She was like, right. Firstly, yes, Swiss people will come here. Secondly, I don't want to go home. And she has been, she's traveled the world twice over and even now says Ireland is the best place she's ever been. Um, so we managed to do workshops in the North Coast and Northwest of Ireland. Then she came over another time and I brought her to the West of Ireland, to Mayo and Connemara. So we now do workshops there. We now do them in the Southwest, in Dingle and Cork and the South Coast end of the Copper Coast of Waterford um, and East in Wicklow. And it's crazy. And these are all different trips and they are the most, they're some of the most popular trips now on their calendar and the same with some other companies. So, um, Ireland, it's, I don't know why it's never had that bubble, you know, the photography bubble. Um, I think a lot of it could be down to the fact that, you know, if you want to get to one of the kind of great spots of Ireland, it might involve hopping a gate and a fence, you know, that, you know, someone from a different country might think, Oh, I don't know if I'm allowed here, you know? So being local you know if you're allowed or not you know so that's that's kind of big so it's kind of almost you know with patagonia you need to have a guide sure you know that, that's not because they know the best spots it's because it's law it's you know it's to support you know these local guides but in ireland it's like if you probably don't have someone local you will find it very hard to find the best spots because they're over this little hill but you have to say you have to get over a fence you have to get over a gate you know this little hidden beach where you have to cross a field um, so that's why, but Ireland, in my opinion, has just some of the best landscapes in the world. And not only that, but I, I f- at least when I was there, I felt like there was something about it that it was almost timeless. Like you were back in time culturally, you know, like yeah. it's it's got this rich cultural history that's kind of embedded in the buildings and the, and, the, and the people and the spirit of the place that is hard to describe. But once you experience it, you're like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, it, it's it's so true. Like, and you know what? It's funny. We've even got Wi-Fi since 2005. <laughs> it mightn't be good, but we've got it. But but no, like it's it's just it's just amazing. Like what you're saying is so true. You know, it's and you do like, you know, Ireland is the land of a thousand welcomes. You know, you do get you do get that feeling. You know, I just it's it's it is different. Like I've traveled a lot as well. And, you know, all countries are amazing for their, you know, different reasons. But I find Ireland is one of the last few places left with like a culture to say, right, if it's if you have a day like you can anywhere where the weather's not so good. OK, let's go down. There's a nice pub down the road. It does lovely food. There's going to be lovely music. There's going to be a lovely big open fire. You know, what else would you want to do on a really bad day? 
you know, right. and generally like people are friendly. So it, like, you know, if you go to Lafoten Islands, if you go to Faroes, you don't picture yourself going to a pub on your downtime. In Ireland, right. it's, it's a must because it's exciting. It's it's a bit of fun. It's a bit of crack, as we say. Um, so I think that's also the beauty of it. Again, that will, in, if, if you come over and you take 10 amazing images and you have 10 amazing experiences from a photo shoot, you can be guaranteed when you talk about them shoots in the future or to someone else in, you know, in, you know, in the, in the, in, in time after that, uh, one of your experiences will also be, Oh, and in that time where that pub was there and all of a sudden it was just a few people having a few drinks and all of a sudden the guy plays a guitar and we're all on the, on the, on the floor, you know, and we're dancing away and we're jigs and reels and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I have a pretty funny story from when I was there, uh, in, in Doolin, you know, we were all at the pub drinking, dancing, singing Irish songs and ended up going out onto the beach with this local Irish woman and making out with her on the beach. And, you know, yeah, man, this is Ireland, not not a beat that man, the sand must've been freezing. (laughs) oh it was um it was may so i mean it wasn't super warm (laughs) yeah well but like listen i i can actually honestly say i've never went into a pub in ireland and came out and made you know took a girl from a pub out onto onto the sand and and made out around the beach but kudos to you for that but in general like it's it's amazing like a night out in ireland and you know what when you're like 17 18 19 i suppose disclaimer 18 or 19 when we can start drinking um not 17 but you know, we go to the nightclubs and we do the whole nightclub thing and we get drunk oh, and yeah. all. But as you get older, you really appreciate the old style pubs. And and again, at the moment now, being able to shoot and stuff like that, Dingle has the best pubs in Ireland, has the best little cafes and stuff where you can get a nice drink and you can get some food. Um, if there's one thing I really miss in the photography side of things at the moment is, you know, when you're finished the sunrise, there's nowhere to go for breakfast. When you finish the sunset, uh, there's nowhere uh, to go for dinner because everywhere's closed right now. Yeah, because of the pandemic. Yeah, so that's, again, those are all part of the experiences, you know? For sure. Well, maybe that's a good segue. I'm curious, you know, how has the pandemic um, impacted your plans and, and how have you made adjustments to keep your business afloat? I suppose the, the main thing, I suppose, was was collaborations, you know, like getting things set. I'm more like I, I like process and post process and I, I love processing my images. I love when I'm on workshops and I'm in the in the photography zone, you know, after a night day shooting or an evening shooting or a miserable day on a workshop. You know, we'll do editing if we have a projector or a TV in a hotel or just on the computers. You know, we, we, we'll do all that. And but in general, me sitting at home in my office, I'm not motivated to just do tutorials for the sake of tutorials, for the sake of money, um, because it's not it's not that side of the business is not my passion. You know, mm-hmm. um, it is, as I say, I like the process, but I prefer to be with the people. Um, so just doing like YouTube videos or, or, or local um, local tutorials for, for people to make money, to make ends meet is not my thing. And I don't want to pretend it's my thing. But what I did do is I'm still constantly creating workshops, trying to stay positive, create workshops, create workshops, create workshops. Um, there's a 90% chance them workshops won't happen. But in the off chance that they may, you need to be ready. So there's no yeah. point in the country opening up or international countries opening up and me only do, you know, creating a trip then because it's right. in a month's time. You know, so you have to be ready to strike. My clients are so understanding. Like, 
I'd say I've had I have a few hundred people. I'd say I have like two or three people for refunds. Everyone else, nope. Sure. I want to go next year. I want to go the year after. And that's huge. Like every day you get an email from someone to say, listen, Bernard, you know, you know, yeah, we know Iceland won't happen. I want you to keep the deposit and I'll put it off another trip in the future. That's huge for your mental health. And I'm not Absolutely. big in, I suppose, preaching about mental health. You know, we I think we all do suffer a bit of, uh, I've definitely started suffering a little bit of anxiety through this. Um, I don't like to dwell on it too much. But in general, man, the buzz of someone telling you that they don't want any money back, that they want you to keep their deposit for a future trip, that is like a home run. It is the most amazing feeling um, because you're always like nervous of that. So it's just to keep creating as I say, like, you know, I've, I've now got Patagonia on my, on my, you know, on my list. Um, I've New Zealand on my list and New Zealand is literally just sold out as well. Um, so like, they're the kind of ways, you know, and, and also then getting out, I've, I've actually found so many different parts of Ireland that I probably never would have found, um, you know, because I would have been here, there or everywhere. So I managed to really come across some new locations in Ireland where I can bring clients when the time comes. So just trying to remain positive, do a bit of my own shooting, um, and do li- little bits of work in the background, do the podcast. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, man. You just to keep teeing it up. Cause I was just about to ask you some questions about your podcast. I would love to hear about, you know, why you decided to start the podcast. What was that about? What goals did you have when you set out to do it? And, um, kind of what are you hoping to accomplish with it? Again, like, uh, listen, I'm glad I'm, if I'm teeing if you, if I'm teeing things up. Okay, that's absolutely perfect. It means I'm doing an okay job. Um, yeah, but yeah. It's funny because you know March last year, coming back from the Lofoten Islands, um, knowing we were coming back to a lockdown. You know, thinking at the time, ah, yeah, we're going to be locked up for a month, and then bang, we're going to be back full freedom. You know, how naive are we? But <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, good, good no. one. <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> so so this is the thing like i came home then realized right you know this is getting serious so um you know our so we don't live in that apartment anymore we did build another house in dublin um and we had like an, an attic or a loft or whatever you know we want to call it and i actually decided you know right we had i think eight weeks of lockdown ahead so i what i would done was i got a ladder i went up to the loft i stripped it bare i stripped everything down i threw so much stuff out i you know we it, it was just mental it was crazy um and then i my plan was to build a little studio slash office and stuff like that so it's like right that's what i'll do um one half is going to be the office and the other half for the summer of 2020 was going to be a little post-processing room to do post-processing workshops again a year later how naive was i to think that i was going to have <laughs> three or four people doing a post-processing workshop in my house in summer 2020. Um, so yeah, that was the plan. That was the plan. And, you know, I, I, I completely stripped it out. Um, then next thing, the hardware's closed due to the pandemic. And I was like, oh my God, where am I going to get the supplies? So luckily there's a builder living across the road from us and he has his own yard. And he was like, whatever you need to build your office, you take it. So every day I was going over in the van you know, it was literally right across the road and I was going over, filling the van with stuff, coming over, bringing it up to the attic. Um, and I started to build an office um, and a studio. So I eventually built it, built it. And it just, I loved it. I really loved it. And, you know, again, is back down to my, um, my, my uh, construction background. Um, I do love building stuff and stuff like that. So I like, built the stairs, built the, you know, 
put on the plasterboard and the insulation and the plastering and the doors, all that kind of stuff. And had it all set up thinking in a couple of months I was going to do the workshops, you know, then realized, right, that's not going to happen. So what else can I do? So one of the guys, uh, one of my friends of mine, he does like my videography work. He said, like, you should start a podcast, you know? And I was like, Jesus, like I had it in my head for a while, but for a guy, listen, I'm chatting to you here now. And everyone that knows me thinks I'm the most confident person in the world. Right. And I am in ways, but I, I've got so much self-doubt. It's unbelievable. So I was like, no, 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 I could never do that. I could never do that. And he's like, why? So basically he drove me to be like, just do it like as a little pandemic problem or pandemic, uh, um, you know, project and stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to create the Bernard Gertie Photography Podcast. And I did. And it was funny. He was like, what you should do is you should batch record like 10, 15 podcasts and have them all ready to go. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then I was like, actually, no, I won't because I don't want to do like episode one, episode two and like record the first 10 or 15 episodes and then you know in in three or four or five months time again how naive um in three or four months time episode 10 or whatever goes out or 12 or 13 goes out and it's we're still talking about the pandemic so i was like no i don't want to do that like because i want whatever we're talking about to be fresh you know but here we are again a year later still talking about the <laughs> pandemic so so that was how it started um so i'm like 30 episodes in from next week um i'm very I'm, I'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it a lot um i'm not making money from it um you know it's, it's it's pretty much just a little bit of fun i'm looking forward to having you on it uh very 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 soon um and you know i've had the usual guys like i've had ryan dyer and we've had kai hornung on um alan wallace you know from wales uh simon baxter neil burnell um yeah. william patino the whole the, you know the list goes on like yourself and Brilliant. It's been very enjoyable. And do you know what it's made me realize is that these photographers and guys that I look up to that you would have otherwise been afraid to engage with, you realize then, oh, I'm speaking to them. They're actually real people too. You know? Imagine and that. They, uh, and they're they not put their these pants on. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like us. Did you know that I said that in a clubhouse last night? <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I said, or not last night, uh, Wednesday night. But in general, like that's that's what it was. So like, there's kind of no plan. Like, I'm 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 just happy with how it's going. Like, I'm averaging uh, in the first ten months, I'm averaging six hundred downloads an episode. Which I don't know if that's good or bad, but to me, it's amazing. You know, yeah, to, to awesome. me, it's amazing. And what I've tried to do is incorporate a lot of competitions in it. Um, now I hope it doesn't back you into a corner now to go and start these crazy competitions. But in general, like, so the latest one, which actually goes out on, you know, whenever this goes out, but this one, my one will be going out on the 7th of April. So I don't know if that will have passed or whatever. Um, but like, I was very lucky to be gifted by a client of mine, a Sony A7S III, brand new, wow. right? Crazy. Just couldn't believe it. Long story short, he's a guy who, you know, who realized he's very privileged. Um, and he said, you know what, uh, Bernard, I know you wanted this camera and here you go right? That's no joke. And I was like, I can't accept this. I can't accept it. And he says, no, well, you have no choice. And I said, listen, let me give you something. So he said, listen, if you really want to do something, make a donation. My wife works with UNICEF. Um, she's, uh, she, she does a bit of work at UNICEF. And at the moment, she's very passionate about um, the humanitarian disaster in Yemen. So I was like, right, perfect. And he goes, make a donation there. Sent me a link. I made a 500 pound donation. So I decided, you know what, I got a Sony a7S III, like, 
that's so generous. 500 pounds, not going to cut it. So what I decided to do was, right, let's get him on. Falaren is his name. Let's get him on to a podcast. And what I decided to do is we spoke about the situation and stuff like that. First, we spoke about him giving me the camera and the story behind that. Then we spoke about, listen, guys, so here's where we are now. I'm also giving away a 500 euro voucher for BG Landscape Tours, right? Nice. And all yeah. you have to do is follow this link, make a donation to this link, and send me a screenshot with your name to my email and with your donation, and you'll be in the draw to win um, the 500 euro voucher. So I put it out on my mailing list last, uh, like two days ago, and it's going out in the podcast on April 7th. Um, and in the first two days of having it out on my mailing list, um, there's like 750 euros raised so far. Oh, that's awesome. So like that, that's what I've tried that's to bring. That's a great into idea. It. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's kind of what's, you know, what I've tried to get out of it. I'm, I'm very lucky to have some very good sponsors as well with, you know, outdoor clothing, tripods, filters. So I always do competitions and, and even with guests, if they have a book or they have, you know, an ebook or they have, uh, you know, to do prints, I'll always say, listen, would you be willing to, you know, so it's, it, it's kind of cool being able to have competitions and, you know, give something back. I'm, I'm always threatening myself to start a Patreon. Um, so I suppose sure. like, I could ask you, like, is it worth it? Because, yeah, it's again, it's just this self-doubt. It's this self-doubt. It's like, nah, no one's going to do this because I'm not, I'm crap, basically. You know, I, I, I have the Ryan Dyer attitude. I still have those thoughts. I mean, it's um it's it's kind of a weird thing asking people to give you money for something that you do that you that you're passionate about that that you're getting a lot out of and um but i think at the end of the day if you're providing people with value asking them to appreciate that value in some way i don't think there's anything wrong with that yeah i think it's just a self-doubt i do tend to sit on things a long time and what i do is i'll sit on something be it you know buying a whatever you know uh, even buying what to get for dinner but in general like buying something or think about doing something you know I spend a bit too long thinking about it when I eventually do it I say I should have just did it two months ago <laughs> you know yeah and I mean I think it's um worth wondering or questioning whether or not financial incentive is is really you know there's t- tons of other things you can get out of doing a podcast like it's a obviously for you it's an easy way to advertise your your tours um so i mean i think for me like i wasn't doing anything to promote anything i was doing and so patreon was like a natural way of saying hey if you like the podcast you know help me keep running it but you know i don't think you have to do a patreon no that's that's very true when you look at it like that and and you know it's funny um i'm actually very bad at promoting my own company on my own podcast and it's something i shouldn't be afraid of really um you know but it's it's trying i suppose not to constantly i suppose if, if you're on a podcast or you're being interviewed or being asked questions by someone yes you can talk about it but i'm always conscious like this is my podcast should i be talking about my workshops you know um it's hard so right maybe i should a little bit more and see how it goes yeah i mean it can't hurt i mean especially as you grow an audience you know those people come to enjoy you as for who you are they get to know you listening to your show right and so you know those are if anything that's your that's your target audience because they're listening to your show because they like who you are yeah it is it is true again it's just that whole self-doubt thinking like you know even even though people listen and people share instagram stories you know that you know this episode was good or this episode was good 
you just think it's like a sympathy vote almost, you know. But <laughs> I, I don't even necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Um, I think it's a good thing to always have that little bit of self-doubt because it helps to keep you grounded. I agree. No, I agree. I mean, you know, we could probably talk for two hours about imposter syndrome, but it's something that, I mean, I struggle with all the time. I remember my first big experience with it was at out of Yosemite when I was the first, the first night where they did the first, you know, opening dinner and all this. And I was there as an instructor and, you know, I'm looking to my left and my right and there's, you know, William Neal and Alex Noriega and John Sexton and Alan Ross and, you know, all these legendary Charlotte Gibb. And I mean, it's just like the list goes on and there's me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what, I, what am I doing on this stage? This is ridiculous, you know? So, but at some point, I don't know, you kind of got to just got to get over it. Yeah, you do. And and you know what, as I say, it is good to think that and, and good to look up. And do you know, it's funny, I did have someone tell me before about how they almost felt like a fraud, like very good photographer, a very good instructor. And I said, like, sometimes they feel like life, like they, their life is a fraud because they get paid to do what they love doing. And you have all these other amazing photographers, you know, who, who you know could do better jobs. And I said, the thing is, you look up to somebody but I can guarantee you there's someone that looks up to you. Yeah. And and that's just the way, like, listen, I look up to so many people. You look up to so many people. But I do Absolutely. have no doubt that people look up to us. Those people that look up to us, there's people that look up to them. And it's literally just a conveyor belt. I agree. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, for sure. And at the end of the day, I, I don't think it's super healthy to think about it competitively, right? Because there's... No. There's things that you can offer or things that I can offer or things that that person can offer that are different, you know, and unique. And we really, at the end of the day, what it's about for me is what do I have that's different than what that person has that someone can learn from, right? Yeah, 100%. So, you know, doesn't and, and, mean and, I'm better. Exactly. But, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a big world as well. We often talk about how we're over, you know, the world is overpopulated. So that's a prime example to say there's room for us all to do what we love. Yeah. 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 Awesome, man. Well, I had one more question for you T tell me a little bit about this, um, this storm contest that you that you were involved with. Uh, yeah. So, um, I suppose this was the very first competition that I entered, um, and it was a, a competition, uh, from Michael Binsky. Um, Storm oh, yeah, Contest, brilliant. yeah, Storm Contest of the year. Um, Mike is a guy I've got to know so much over the past year, and couldn't be like, couldn't meet a nicer fella. Now, virtually meet, I suppose. Um, sure. But you know, so he put this together. It's something he had in mind for a long, long time. And himself, Mike Mez, Nick Page, and I can't remember the the, the other person's name. Uh, who was the judge? I re it's just gone out of my head, but. Anyway, I, I entered this competition. There was like over 400 entries and I entered the photograph of the year side of it. So there was photographer of the year and photograph of the year. So um, I was absolutely delighted to get into the top 10 of Storm Contest of the year. Um, it was, of course, I wanted to win. It was funny because I spoke to Kai, you know, I'm in a group chat with Kai Hornung. And I said to Kai, I really want to win this competition, but I will not be disappointed if I don't. And he was like, you, you, that, that doesn't make sense you cannot that, that that can't happen and you know what I was like no 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 it can happen and it, it turned out like no I didn't win I got in the top 10 I was you know super delighted to get into the top 10 and I was not disappointed uh to 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 win um or uh, to not win sorry and you know what's funny because 
all the so the winner I can't remember what date the winner was announced, but the day the winner was announced, you know, to me the the the, the announcement wasn't till five p.m. in the evening. And all day I had this weight on my shoulders. Will I, will I, will I, won't I, will I, won't I? And as soon as the, the winners were announced, man, that weight was gone. I could enjoy the rest of my evening. So I did really want to win, but I came in the top 10 and I'm super happy with that. Um, Mike did an amazing job. Um, but the I suppose it was my first ever competition, but it's funny because last year was my first ever year to do any storm chasing. And we did yeah. manage to do two days in Ireland but last year, so the image I entered, for anybody that may know the Dolomites and the iconic shot of Cicada Mountain, sure. um, I managed to be up there for a thunderstorm. So I'd been kind of keeping an eye on the weather in July and uh, June, July for Europe for storms and stuff like that. So I, one day, I like, it was literally the end, uh, I think it was like 31st of July. I was like looking and I was like, oh my God, there's going to be like a storm coming in from the west in over the dolomites on you know first second of august and it's going to stick around and i was like whoa this is like this is my chance you know i'm, I'm never going to get another chance to do this off, off on a whim you know so sure. i decided like that night to book a flight for the next morning uh the first of august so booked it on the night like literally 10 hours before the flight uh booked the flight the next morning first of august uh flew out to the dolomites flew to milan got my car, drove my car from there to Orsay, parked, got the lift up uh, with all my gear, got the lift up to Cicada and I just waited. I just waited. And it was funny. There was a few like Italian and Slovenian guys up there and I was like, oh, you guys staying for the storm? And they're like, no, there's no storm. Like, I, I was I'm like, not crazy. <laughs> no, no. They, they were like, no, there's no storm coming. I was like, guys, I've literally booked a flight from Ireland yesterday for this storm. I didn't come over here for no storm. And they were like, uh, okay. So anyway, the, st <laughs> the storm came. These guys just went. They left. Um, so yeah, basically. So this was, I suppose, composition. It was a composition I was after, not a lightning shot. It was, it, it was composition I was after. And I pointed my camera at that cliche view of Cicada. I've been there a million times and I love the view. And we can get sunrise and sunsets there and they can be great. But I was like, what's going to be a game changer? And I said, a lightning shot of Cicada. Um, so while 90% or 95% of the lightning strikes were actually going on behind me, I was like stubborn. I was like, no, I'm sticking to this. I don't want a lightning shot for with nothing in it. I want this. So it was so hard to focus. I, I'm a Sony shooter. I was shooting with the A7R Mark III. Um, it was so hard to focus because there was no light around the rain, the wind, there was just nothing to focus on. So I just like took a, took a chance and I focused at whatever I focused at in manually. And I set the cameras intervalometer on shoot, shoot, shoot. Every few seconds I would wipe. I knew it wouldn't affect the focus because I was shooting at 16 mil and I knew if it zoomed in a bit, I just go back to 16 mil and I'd wipe and I'd wipe. And next thing, bang, this lightning strike goes off and I'm like, you know, you know, you know, the closer you are to lightning, the the more in sync the sounds are because obviously light, you know, travels faster oh, yeah. um, than sound and stuff like that. So it was simultaneous. It was the strike and the sound that bang at the same time. And it was insane. Like it was such a rush. So I ended up like, you know, of course, looking at the back of the camera, I was like, oh, my God, did this just happen? Did I just get this shot zoomed in? I was like. I really, like, my hands were cold. It was raining. I didn't know if it was focused. So 
basically got this shot of Sacheda with lightning and thought, right, I cannot basically check the focus until I get back down to the mountain, to the hotel tomorrow. Got down and, my God, into the hotel, and it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So uh, put it on into, into Photoshop, zoomed right in. I was like, the focus is probably 80% quality, which is good enough for this image. Uh, the lightning, the forks coming out were just unbelievable. And I, the first thing I done was actually send it to Mike. And I was like, Mike, look at this, look at this. And he was like, Bernard, you do realize that's upward lightning. And I was like, what? He was like, upward lightning. The lightning was coming out of the mountain. So not coming from the sky down to the mountain, coming out of the mountain up to the sky. And of course, I really just lost my shit then. You know, I was just like, wow. <laughs> so like, it was such a unique shot, you know, um, I have such an amazing experience. And as I say, that was my, I chased in Ireland for two days in July and they were amazing. We got amazing storms for two days in July and we don't often get them. Um, so yeah. going to Italy, chasing a storm um, on my own and, you know, like, the thing I was most proud of was how, you know, to predict where they were going to happen because the very next night I was like driving to different locations and managed to get some beautiful shots as well. Um, you know, with different compositions from the roadsides and stuff with some waterfalls and stuff like that. But I was more, although I love the shot, I do love the shot, man. Like it's Sacheda with lightning. I'm sure. It's the experience, the fact that, wow, I chased a storm in on mainland Europe and I succeeded. Like That is cool. That was the, the the biggest thing for me. And I do get excited about the image the whole time. But the biggest thing for me was like, it's not like a sunrise or sunset. You know what I mean? Like you can't just, oh, yeah, it's... at least, you, you know, you know where the sun is going to be. You don't know where the lightning's going to be. So right. I came home with kind of three or four images that I just loved. And yeah, it was a great experience. And, you know, I'm, if I don't get to the US this year and even Mike Mez and Michael Binsky yeah. both invited me over to chase with them this year. Which yep. if it if it if it doesn't happen because of the pandemic, it will hopefully happen next year. If it never ever ever happens, to be asked is what it's all about, you know. So for them guys to ask me was amazing. Um, but the plan is, if I can't get to the states this year, is maybe to chase on the west uh, coast of France. Nice, man. So was it pretty dark when you took the shot? Oh, like it was pitch dark, like. Okay, oh. so you were doing like long exposures. <clears throat> I literally mm -hmm. saw, like, I was literally just shooting, like, 30-second exposures. Now, you know, for anybody nice. that yeah. doesn't know how to, like, shoot lightning and stuff, like, I'm obviously not, I, I've literally had chased three storms. But from what I gather, the best thing to do is, like, not worry about the length of the exposure. Um, so, um, like, there were 30-second exposures, I think, at, like, F5.6, um, like, ISO 100, 200 and stuff. And even though it was fully dark, right, this is for anyone listening that might be thinking of chasing or whatever in the dark is if, if I take 10 shots, right. During a storm and out of those 10, there's only lightning in one of them and it looks okay. The other nine that don't have lightning strikes should be completely dark. And the reason being is that you need to allow your settings for when it lights up. So allow right. that darkness when there's no lightning. Right. You're but exposing it, for the lightning shot. You're exposing for the lightning. So don't worry about the foreground because the lightning will light that whole place up. Um, yep. So a lot of people are like, oh, I saw a thousand or I saw 2000 because it's like black dark. You know, it's right. pitch dark. And, you know, 30 seconds is up. Next thing they're lightning is just this big blob of light. You know, so it's actually right. keep, keep the ISO low. <laughs> exactly. So keeping yeah, the, yeah. the ISO low and the F stop, you know, good enough for like F4, F4.5 yeah. or whatever. 
Okay, so you're, I'm a Sony shooter also. Were you not worried that your camera was just going to like not stop working because of getting of the rain? I'm going to send you on, on, on Instagram or WhatsApp after this. I'm going to send you pictures of my Sony, which I've had for three years. I now have the Sony A7R Mark IV ready for use when the, when the tree dies. Um, but my A7R Mark III, as I say, so you know you go and you get some fries in McDonald's and you put salt on them, right? I always tell people my Sony A7R Mark III has more salt in it than a bag of fries. <laughs> And man, it's just corrosion central. Um, a lot of the guys joke about like, nah, you definitely got like some bombproof Sony made because I shoot, man, I do not spare anything with this camera. And this is why I have not like started shooting with the A7R Mark IV yet because I, and, and I'm by no means spiritual or anything like that, but I've created this bond with my bloody camera, which I just cannot let go of it. So I have an A7R Mark IV sitting there waiting to be used when the time is right and when the other one dies and stuff. But for now, it's just hard to leave that A7R tree there with so much good memories. Ah, that's good. I have a two and a four and they've never failed me, but I've, you know, you hear stories. You do, you do. And another fine example of, of Sony, um, again, putting it through the absolute ringer is William Patino, like in Fjordland National sure. Park. He's shooting in, yeah, he's like, in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but no, I have to say, I, I really couldn't recommend them. I've been there since the two, the A7R Mark II, when we had the 129 shot battery. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that, that's exactly that's exactly what the capacity is. Um, but no, I, I, I love the Sony systems. I really, really do. Um, I fall in love with them. I've been, you know, four, four and a half years now. And uh, I just love them, love the lenses. And, you know, I kind of had something you know, a little inkling from Canon last year. Um, you know, and I suppose Canon Ireland, not like, you know, your worldwide Canon, um, you know, where they lent me some gear and they were kind of willing to do some sort of deal. But, you know, man, I just really love the Sonys and I just, yeah, I just love them. I've created a bond with them, I have to say. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. All right, man. So I guess, you know, last thing, who would you recommend for the podcast? Who, sh- who, would our, who should our listeners know about and who would we might be interested in getting on the show? Um, I think for, you know, uh, someone unusual, I suppose, or, or, you know, something that we don't all have the ability to shoot uh, so good. And um, woodland photographer, uh, Neil Burnell, um, yeah. you know, I, 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 I'm just like a bag of nerves when I go into a woodland. Everything's so chaotic. <laughs> so I really do yes. believe there's a massive skill involved in, in shooting woodland scenes in the right way. Um, I've just got Neil's book and it is uh, amazing. Um, but Neil Burnell, um, I'm going to recommend he listen to this and I'm going to tell you here now for him to listen to it, that to hound him, hound him, hound him, hound him until he says yes. <laughs> but he is, he's, he's an amazing guy to talk to, like so informative, um, so knowledgeable and just a really genuine, nice guy. Um, another person then would be a very, very good friend of mine, Adrian Maudui. Um, who is based in Senya on Senya, or actually in Tromso now at the moment, um, and he is he he um, I suppose his uh, speciality is is astrophotography and uh, aurora, and it's not just again it's 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 not just aurora and oh look it's in the sky it's the science and how it works, um, but actually I, m- I might just throw one more in um, and another very good seascape photographer actually uh, I know Rachel Talibart you know is just unbelievable. But also her very good friend Jennifer Bunnett um, is an amazing seascape photographer and actually a really, really good person to talk to as well. 
Brilliant. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with, with Rachel's, but no, not with Jennifer. So that's awesome. I appreciate the appreciate it, man. Well, Bernard, yeah. this has been super fun, man. I love the storytelling and the feel like I need to get back to Ireland. Yeah, definitely. And I think we did talk about that. And I have a Guinness. I won't put the Guinness on yet because it might be gone flat by the time you can get here. But once you're within 10 minutes reach of the nearest pub in Ireland, I'll have a Guinness ready for you. I love that. You know, and if if you like Guinness in the United States, I will say I have uh, I was I was skeptical myself, but it does taste better in Ireland. It does. No, it does. I I, I had a, a Swiss client before, and I said, "Listen, would you like a pint of Guinness?" And he said, "No, no, no, I don't like Guinness." Like, uh... And he and and I said, "But you'd never been in Ireland before." And he goes, "I know, but I've had Guinness in Switzerland." And I said, "You've not had Guinness." And yeah, that's right. Ten, ten pints of Guinness later, I had to drag him out of the pub. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of guys <laughs> no awesome, man matt thanks very much for having me it's been absolutely amazing yeah well thanks again to bernard for joining me for a fun conversation on the podcast i'm sure i'm not alone in saying that we welcome listening to your accent any day and all day cheers my friend well, I would like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Without their generous support, the podcast would not exist and you would not be listening to these episodes. If you too want to feel good for supporting and sustaining our work to uplift the community, you can do so with as little as $5 per month. I especially want to thank our Patreon producers who support at $20 a month and higher. They include Gary Randall, David Kingham, Eric Stensland, Jeff Peterson, Charlotte Gibb, Ken Dono, Anton Everine, William Nurse, Richard Wong, Matthias Joland, Suzanne Mathia, Frank Otto Peterson, Michael Rung, John Whitaker, Joshua Wallace, Drew Armstrong, Jim Valencourt, Jennifer King, Craig Young, Adam Bullyard, Michael DeMiola, Chuck Mora, Jacob Buchowski, J. Fritz Rumpf, Charlie Vandenbrack, Jost Panikuk, Anton Gorlin, and Rob Patterson. You guys are all incredible. Well, let's talk about what's coming up on the podcast. I already recorded with underwater and landscape photographer Matt McGee, who shared his thoughts on the photographic process as seen from under the sea. I've also recorded with Joel Chuckenbrode, an absolutely wonderful black and white landscape photographer living in Minnesota. And if you get a chance, you can check out my column in On Landscape Magazine about his work. On top of these, we have over 10 others in the pipeline, thanks to the supporters on Patreon. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.